listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. This is the Rainmaking Podcast, and my name is Scott Love, your host. Thanks for joining me. This is show number 77. And ladies and gentlemen, bring your seat backs and tray tables to their full upright lock positions and buckle up because this is going to be a pretty exciting ride. Our topic for today is your authentic self, the last and only edge in the legal profession. And we have both Aaron Bear and Deval Tank. Now, we have people from all industries that listen to this, but the common thing they have is selling work, being able to do business development, client development to sophisticated clients and learning how to get smart people to give you their trust. If you're not in the legal profession, this is still going to be really good for you to listen to. Let me tell you a little bit about Deval and Aaron. Now, they've both got interesting backgrounds. We've got their bio information on the show notes as well as the links to where you can find their podcast. They both produce a podcast called the Build Your Book Podcast, and you can get that link on the show notes. Now, Deval is the founder of Build Your Book and the head of growth at White Swan, which was America's first and largest online permanent life insurance marketplace. So he has the background of sales. He's a globally recognized thought leader in the future of work and leadership. Aaron Baer is an attorney. He's a partner at Reno & Company, which is a modern law firm focusing on tech, emerging tech, and M&A. Previously, Aaron was an equity partner at one of the largest law firms in Canada at the age of 29. This is an impressive team that are giving you some very good insights on how you can grow your practice, how you can build your book with your authentic self. Thanks for listening. If you've got a moment, I'd appreciate you sharing anything that we post on social media about the podcast. I've got a colleague that works very hard to do some great work. So if you ever see anything on LinkedIn or retweet, hey, if you could share that, I'd really appreciate that. Anyways, I hope you get some great ideas from our show today. Thanks for listening. This is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. Today, we've got two professionals in the area of marketing and business development. We've got Deval Tank and Aaron Bear. Fellas, thanks for joining me on the show today. Great to be here. Glad yeah, to be great. here. Yeah, great to have you. I'm a fan of your content. I've heard some of your programs before, and I think you've got a very important message that can help a lot of people out. And our topic today is your authentic self the last and only edge in the legal profession. And let me kind of ask you, what does that mean, your authentic self? Why is that something that we should be talking about? Absolutely. You know, quite often, a lot of lawyers come to us and they say they're feeling frustrated. They're feeling that they have to hide themselves. They feel like they're playing with a playbook that's uh, years old or decades old. They mm -hmm. can't, they see their colleague from undergrad, they see their colleagues from all these other professions, and they're living these much more interesting, exciting lives. They're sort of going out there, they're working on innovative products, and it's the technology world has really taken the world by storm, and they're seeing the way they're living their lives. And they're coming to us, and they're feeling that, you know, now that I've been working for 5, 10, 15 years, and now I'm a partner, I have to almost push all of that stuff down. Mm. I have to be the suit at all times. I have to be the the knowledge expert, the authority on every single thing. And frankly, that's exhausting. We're seeing record burnout rates. We're seeing record rates of people leaving the profession, mm -hmm. either go in-house or do something else entirely. And what we're saying is that you don't need to do that route. You don't need to go down that route at all. If you can truly share your knowledge, you can share your connections, and you can share your humanity, 
You can be your authentic self. You can make that into a powerful brand. You can use that as leverage to build a powerful book of business. And frankly, that's what people want to see. Your clients want to hear that. Your clients want to see your authentic self. And that's what we help them do. Deval, I think you've got a good perspective. And I like the fact that you come from tech and business. And Aaron, you're a lawyer. And so let me kind of tell you what I've seen talking to dozens of attorneys every day. I think that a lot of times partners, they feel like they have this persona where they need to know everything. They need to have that client-facing persona. And that also, I think, inhibits their decision-making where their own personal hubris might get in the way of them making effective decisions. And I don't think that's really who they are deep down on the inside. But do you think that there's some risk for attorneys to show their authentic selves? What do you think about that? So risk is an interesting thing, right? Risk implies that something could go wrong. But I think one of the things that the legal profession is so guilty of is not analyzing what isn't going right today, and, you right. know, not looking at the status quo critically. So we see this all the time. I spent a lot of time working with legal tech companies and you know, built a really uh, tech-focused practice, uh, mm-hmm. leveraging a lot of technology, and clients love that. And when I work with my prior firm, when I talk to other law firms, they're always saying, well, this solution, it's good, but it doesn't do this. And I'm going... Yeah, but it, it does 90% of what you need. That's really good. And it does it much better with fewer mistakes and faster and all that stuff. And lawyers are often looking for this thing that's perfect. And if it's not perfect, they say, well, there's risk. Mm-hmm. But what they're failing to understand is there's so much more risk in the status quo. You're making mistakes. You're delivering work later. You're disappointing a client you know, with a bill, with the quality. And so I think when you analyze the status quo and say, well, how well is that going for me? And the answer is, for the average lawyer, they're not able to be authentic, and they don't have the book of business they want. If they had it, (laughs) they wouldn't be talking to us on a regular basis. And what we find over and over again is there is a small group of lawyers, they typically come from a certain demographic, we all know what what they are, uh, that has been really successful in building a book of business the traditional way, (laughs) and having a good career that pays them a lot, gives them the control, all of that stuff. But for almost everybody else, they don't have that. So is there risk? in being authentic and being yourself, well, there's a little bit of risk, but there's a way bigger risk in continuing to do things the way you are doing them right now, which is inauthentic, which doesn't feel good and isn't giving you the career or the lifestyle that you want. So I'd say there's way less risk to that change than there is to doing nothing and keeping it as a status quo. So do you think then that this authenticity that we have, and I want to kind of get a little bit deeper into that, Do you think that's something that is attractive to clients? Is it attractive to prospective clients? Or do you think we should put that persona out in front of us and not let them get to know who we are authentically? What do you think about that? I think clients are now waking up to the fact that they want to hear a story. They want to hear that they're dealing with a human being. They want to see another real person across the table from them. This new generation, especially the millennial generation, the workforce that's sort of building up nowadays, they grew up in universities. They spend time in schools where this was the norm. We're seeing women in positions of power. We're seeing people of color and all those sorts of other players in positions of power. So if you're just going to be buttoned up, you're going to be in a suit all day. And I don't mean that just literally, but I mean metaphorically as well. If you're just going to be playing that card, people are going to push back. You know, I come from the technology world and I see so many people resonating with stories, resonating with the story of the the inception of the business. They want to hear the why. There's this incredible book by Simon Sinek, Start With Why. And people want to know your why. 
why are you doing what you're doing? What mm. drives you to this? What motivates you? What makes you passionate about the work that you're doing, your area of practice? Can I see that spark inside of you? And people buy on emotion than to justify with logic. So right. really, when you can connect with their emotion by being your authentic self, they're much more likely to choose you. Yeah, I think that's great. I remember the first time I had a partner tell me, well, forget about telling me about this opportunity. Tell me about yourself. And this is a very sophisticated rainmaker. And I learned something from that is that he needs to feel safe by getting to know who I am and what motivates me and why I'm different. Then we can talk about the opportunity. So let me ask you this then. What I've seen on social media lately, I know there's a lot of discussion about mental health. And I think that's very important. I think people in a pressure cooking environment, whether it's legal or big accounting firms or whatever it is, I think they need to be aware of that. And I've seen people share a little bit of their own personal struggles on LinkedIn. And part of me feels uncomfortable with that because I don't think I'm ever going to share my deep, dark secrets with the world. So how do we find this balance? Where do we find that place that it's okay for us to be authentic but if I'm really struggling with some sort of personal issue, do I need to put that on social media? What do you guys think about that? Yeah, it's a fine line. And, you know, there's definitely a school of thought where people think, you know, LinkedIn is becoming too much like Facebook or, or Meta or whatever it's called. Right. These That's days. Right. right. And to some extent, there is a bit of truth to that. I think sometimes I'm see, you're seeing a photo and you're going like, really, like this doesn't really seem like the thing. But at the end of the day, there is so much room for vulnerability and for authenticity there. And I can mm -hmm. tell you objectively from the data we have, from public data, from anecdotal, you know, all that sort of stuff. Being vulnerable, being honest, sharing how you feel about stuff will do much better on LinkedIn, right? It will do better because people are responding to it and they're responding to it because you're human, right? So most of the stuff I post on LinkedIn, I'm very active and this is all a COVID kind of transition. So right. pre-March 2020, I posted on LinkedIn rarely. Like most people, it was there as my online resume or call it whatever you want started getting out of my comfort zone, posting early March 2020, mainly talking about law and just the legal profession and a lot of stuff I'd been thinking about. And in some ways, just saying the quiet part out loud uh, about a lot of the issues in the legal profession. And they're not unique to law. Law has a lot of its own issues, but a lot of these are common across the board. You know, you mentioned mental health. You know, we're in a mental health, I think, epidemic, probably pre-pandemic, but especially post-pandemic. And in the legal profession, it's even worse than, than mainstream. The legal profession is widely known objectively as having worst rates of anxiety, depression, alcoholism, right. all that sort of stuff. So right. we're not saying go out there and saying, hey, I'm an alcoholic. I've been drunk all day doing your illegal work. That is a terrible <laughs> idea. You know, that, that is not right. the answer. But right. talking about stuff you've overcome, sharing how some of the challenges you've had in the last year and how you've handled them or other things, that resonates because guess what? You're not the only person. And I'll give you an example. We had someone in one of our first cohorts, and we'll talk more about the work we do, I think, with Build Your Book and how we help lawyers and accountants and other professionals in a second. We had someone join our cohort and posting on LinkedIn for a lot of people, especially about personal stuff, is challenging. You got to be vulnerable. And I hate vulnerability. I know it's so important, but I fight that same urge everyone else does to not do it, you know, to overthink it, all of that stuff. She started posting some personal stuff. In this case, it was about infertility and some other things like really personal. That's about as personal as it gets. And guess what? Not only did the post do extremely well, which is nice, she started getting all these messages. Thank you so much for sharing. I felt I was the only one. She started having all these people reach out to her she had lost touch with. And she started building and rebuilding real meaningful relationships with people because they shared something in common, right? And she was speaking out about something that other people had gone through. And unfortunately, in our society, not enough women are talking about, which means people are feeling isolated when they go through that experience. 
I've seen the opposite, where people post long, boring things about dry legalese or, or stuff about accounting or things like that. And it's no surprise those don't do very well because nobody wants to read that, right? right? So stories do better. Good speakers, you know, think Barack Obama, think other people, they tell good stories and good lawyers or good accountants know how to tell stories too. And so stories are the answer. And if you can get personal and people can relate to it, it's going to do a lot better. So the number of messages I get from my posts, which have generated millions of views in the last couple of years, it's because people are resonating with what I'm sharing and I'm not just sharing legal facts. So I would highly encourage people to think about some level of vulnerability. Again, you don't want to go crazy off the deep end, but there's a level of there where you're sharing your authentic self that will make people want to work with you and talk to you because they're getting to know you as a person and not just a robot or a machine that does legal work or does accounting work or any other kind of work like that. Well, Aaron, I think that's a great idea. And I liked how you told a story about the importance of telling stories. So well done. It's, it's like, like that. Second Seinfeld. nature at this point now. That's right. Like having that Seinfeld episode where here's a coffee table that is a book about coffee tables. <laughs> so exactly. That's good. So, so let me ask you this and kind of challenge you a little bit. You talked about the data that you've seen, and maybe you might know a little bit more about this, Deval is it really substantiates that that vulnerability does build connections. What, what sort of data are you talking about? We looked at a couple of data points. Uh, the first part is we ran a survey across, I think, hundreds of, of lawyers across the U.S. and Canada to understand what are they themselves connecting with the most? What sorts of content are they engaging with the most? And disproportionately, it's ironic. A lot of them would say, oh, I'm cynical about sharing my own personal story. But yet when they themselves were responding to our surveys, they said, oh, but I love that post. Oh, but I love that post. Anecdotally, that's the more data-driven, objective way of looking at it. We surveyed a bunch of people. We ran LinkedIn posts. They did surveys and they sort of gave us a lot of data. Then we ran survey groups or focus groups where we asked people objectively, again, you know, what kind of stuff are you resonating with the most? Who would you more likely to do business with? Who would you more likely want to grab lunch with or grab coffee with? In management consulting, there's this concept of the airport test, right? You're stranded on an airport, you're between clients. Would you want to spend time with this person? And disproportionately, people are saying, well, you know, I'd rather spend a lot more time with this person who's sharing a little bit more about their own personal lives or their own perspectives or opinions. People want to see edges. So mm-hmm. even in the focus groups, we're seeing the same result come on out. And then anecdotally, when we are running our own cohorts, we're seeing people join our group not just based on the value that we're providing, because you definitely need that. You can't just all be personal stories and no real substantial value there, but they're joining our cohort. It comes with a bit of a price tag. They join our cohort when they tell us that, you know, we've been listening to your podcast for such a long time. We've been reading your posts on LinkedIn for such a long time. We connect with your stories. The concepts themselves are not rocket science, but it's the marriage of the story with a strong, unique kind of offering you combine the two together, you get a powerful, powerful way of you know, pushing your way through and, and grabbing uh, attention, creating real connections. So that's what I mean by data. That's what we mean by data points. We have survey data, we have focus group data, and then we have anecdotal data from our actual cohorts themselves. That's great, Deval. Thank you for mentioning that. Now, let me go a little bit further on what you said. You connect the story with the offering. What are some examples of that? If I'm in the business of getting business, whether I'm a recruiter or a management consultant, or a B2B salesperson, or a lawyer? What are some ways that I can get stories and tie them to my offerings so that chief counsels of Fortune 50 companies call me and give me work? <laughs> how, how do I make that happen? 
Sure. First, let me start off with a bigger example, which I think will make the point really vivid. And then I can talk about the more mechanics of it. Sure. You look at some a company like Apple, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about Apple as it is right now, which is a mass consumer type of thing. But let's go back to Apple when Steve Jobs ran the show. If you look at all of his keynote speeches, if you look at the advertising that they were really sort of going in deep on, it was based on two things. A, it was about the process of how they built the iPhone or how they built the iPad, the first MacBook, right? They were beautifully engineered products. And just the way that they were produced, I mean, that was their whole ad. And even if you look right now, their ads are literally about, well, here's how we made this machine the best it can be. But then look, let's marry that with the other advertising campaign that Apple is known for, the 1984 ad, right? Probably the greatest ad in, in the history of advertising directed by Ridley Scott. It was about, you know, 1984. We're breaking down what the big man is, is doing and we're creating something new and fresh. Their Think Different ad was all about, we are all about our purpose, our vision, our why is about empowering creative, unique change makers in the world. And so you combine that story, their purpose, their why, along with, well, here's how we make beautifully engineered products that's designed to delight you, that's designed to engage you, that's designed to captivate you. And now you've got a really powerful brand. And that's how Apple went from sort of, you know, being a laggard to becoming the leading technology company of our age by really honing down on those two value propositions. And the machine itself is just a means of doing that. The machine was just a means of you doing beautiful, unique, creative work and you expressing your own identity as the user that I'm someone who's creative. I love to do this. I like beautiful engineered products. So that's a much more macro kind of perspective much more tangibly or much more focused on a service professional, do you share how you do your work? You know, we, we spend a lot of time in our cohorts talking about a USP. Can you form a unique selling proposition mm-hmm. that sets you apart from everyone else, that makes you into a non-commodity? And we tell people to focus on things like, what are all the things that you do really, really well? And what are the things you, that you do not do? The do not do part is just as important. Tell us what your service guarantees are. Tell us what how you perform your work. Is there a unique process you use? Is there a unique way that you tap into your resources to deliver on your promises? How do you do that? Tell that inner story of how you uniquely deliver value. And then that's the first part. That's the USP part. The second part of it is tell us your story. Tell us your story of what makes you do this work. Tell us your story of what gets you up in the morning. Tell us your story of how you have helped other people get up and build their business. Tell us how you help, you know, maybe a disadvantaged youth win this case. You know, right. Tell us those stories. You combine those two things together and you've got an unbeatable proposition. It works in the B2C market. It works in the B2B market. I think people, they want a champion. They want to find people that have gone through what Joseph Campbell calls the hero's journey, if you're familiar with that, where they fall into the abyss, they find a sage, a wise mentor that gives them a magical device and they build a cohort, and together they grow in their character, hence the movie Star Wars. And that theme that goes in any other movie, whether it's, think of any movie and you've seen that story. And I think people, they want to see that champion. They want to see people out there that are doing good things and doing good work. Some things I've had success with is sharing stories about my kids where they've really set goals. We had this one situation where a hummingbird flew into our back porch and I'm a watercolor artist, so I paint hummingbirds all the time. I woke up this morning at 5.30 to paint a hummingbird. And so we found this hummingbird. It, it flew into our back porch. 
And it was trying to get out and we opened up the door and it wouldn't go to the door. My nine-year-old daughter said, daddy, go to YouTube on your phone and play music from hummingbirds. And so I did that. And I put the phone down by the door and I played music on YouTube, songs from hummingbirds and the hummingbird didn't do anything. And I looked at, oh, those are South American hummingbird songs. So I chose the ruby-throated ones that we have in Virginia. And sure enough, the hummingbird came alive and I actually picked it up in my hand. It was amazing. And I picked it up in my hand and the hummingbird flew through the exit door and was on its way. And my little girl was the hero. And I wrote about that on LinkedIn. And I talked about not necessarily the story, but it started with, have you ever felt that you were trapped and had no way out? And so I was able to take that story and kind of pose it as something about them, about the reader, and had a lot of visibility off of that. What, so let me ask you all this what are some examples like that where we tell those stories that connect the dots to where we're getting the call, we're building trust with our clients? What are some examples that you've seen from people that you've consulted? I'll turn it over to Aaron in just a moment, but I, I want to tell you that the hero's journey is absolutely the foundation of how we help people tell their story. That's literally an exercise we, we go through in our cohort where we ask people, write out your hero's journey story. It might not necessarily be the entire story you share with other people, But I'll give you my own personal example before I turn it over to Aaron. I published my story on my own website when I was doing a lot more technology consulting work with startups and whatnot. And when the decision point came with the CEO choosing me as a consultant to help them with their BD or their marketing or their sales activities versus someone else, undoubtedly, they would go on my website and they would click on about me. They would read my story. And it's a a 500 word, whatever word story. And they would read it and they would come back to me being like, you are our man. You get us, like the values, the, the, your purpose, your vision, it just aligns so quickly. And just by publishing a static story that I've written once, I've been getting business for years now. And it's amounted to hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of money in my own pocket by just sharing my story. And my story is, is not that extraordinary. It's, it's, you know, here's how I went to college. Here's the inner struggle that I went through. Here's when I entered the workforce, here's the inner struggle that I went through. And here's the transformation that I've, I've made. There's just a couple of big key points there, but just articulating that, ensuring that the people, they see me as more than just, oh, I can solve your business or sales or marketing challenges, but here's a real human being who gets my values as a CEO of this company, and they're going to be fitting right in. So that's my own personal example. But Aaron, over to you, because we've had great success from other lawyers too. Yeah, and I think one thing we often do with some of the people in our cohorts is we pull up their bios on their websites. You know, whether they're a lawyer, an accountant, we've got an actuary who does a lot of expert witness work. And if you look at these bios time and time again, what people are typically selling is their experience. You know, I'm the best lawyer for you because here's the work I do, and I've done so many cases, and I went to some fancy law school or business school or what have you, right? That's what they are currently selling. There is nothing personal about that. There's nothing that tells me why you'd want to work with me other than that I'm competent. And I think most of us sort of assume that our clients believe we're competent and and they're not buying competence. That's table stakes, right? They're buying why Aaron, what does Aaron do differently when I work with him? How am I going to feel working with him? Am I going to get a really, really annoying bill at the one we're done saying, Hey, you owe me (laughs) $40,000 because I've just decided that's how much time I spent in the legal industry where people typically bill by the hour, Right. So what am I offering and who am I? What do I bring to the table? So we all have our own stories. Part of my story has been shared. Part of it hasn't. And part of that's that vulnerability piece where I've slowly let more and more out. But what we've seen over and over again is once you start sharing, you start connecting with people. And it's always easier to share about things you've already overcome 
because that's just more comfortable. It's really hard to say, hey, I'm failing, I'm doing terribly, and that's the end of the story. (laughs) That's not going to make somebody want to buy. But we've also seen people say, look, you know, as an easy example, they were joining our our cohort where we teach business development skills to lawyers and accountants and other professionals. And someone made a great post. They said, look, I joined this cohort because everything terrified me. I was terrified of posting on LinkedIn. I was terrified of reaching out, blah, 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 blah. And I'm still scared, but I'm a whole lot less scared than I was when I started rather. And guess what? Not only did that resonate with a lot of people because it's like public speaking, right? So many people, it's it's not a unique thing to not like public speaking. It resonated with so many people that they started actually reaching out to them and saying, hey, I'd love to chat with you. You know, I struggle with this stuff too. You know, don't hesitate to reach out to me, things like that. And lo and behold, they're getting business from people from all these conversations they're having because they were vulnerable and admitted that, you know, this stuff scares them. So you don't have to have overcome everything. But I think being authentic, being vulnerable, being human at the end of the day is what it's all about. Because if you're trying to build a book of business, become a rainmaker, use whatever word you like, you want to be building relationships and not transactional relationships. Right. That's and a transactional great point. relationships are useless in the long term. Relationships are what mattered. And you build relationships with people, not with robots. Those are great ideas, Aaron. So let's kind of bring this home. And if you could summarize three action steps people can take to get started integrating some of these great ideas that you shared with me today. Sure. I think there are three things that you can definitely do. The first thing is don't go at it alone. You have to find a great community just because. So much of this is psychological. If you think you can do this by yourself, certainly give it a shot, try your best. But so much of this requires vulnerability, introspection, working your way through blocks and barriers that Mm -hmm. you need to find a community of people who will support you, not in a competitive environment, but in a very collaborative environment. So if you can do that at work, maybe you can partner up with a few friends or buddies. That would be extremely helpful. We try and do that with our cohorts. If you want, you can come to us. The second part of it is, change your mindset and go towards generosity and, and abundance thinking. If you think that the, the pie is small, if you think that the pie is limited, you're never going to be able to get there. So change your mindset from that of, of scarcity to abundance. Mm-hmm. And the last thing is get into the habit of doing get into the habit of doing this every single day. I cannot tell you the number of people who think that they can kind of lose weight. You know, it's January 1st, they go to the gym and they think they're going to lose you know, their, their 50 extra pounds or 20 extra pounds in the span of a week or a month. And we see right. gyms fill with people. <laughs> and inevitably, within a week, within a month, the gym is empty again. So much more humane or much smarter way of doing it is go down and do a single push-up or do a single jumping jack. You do that enough in enough number of days, you start believing that I'm someone who works out every single day. Right. And it's the psychological shift that ends up happening And all of a sudden, you do it for 30 days, you start believing, I'm someone who does business development every single day. So get the daily habit of it. Don't go at it alone. And switch your mindset from that of scarcity to abundance and give, give, give. Deval, those are great ideas. So tell us about the offerings that you have. You've mentioned some of the things that you have, and we're going to put for our listeners all the information on our show notes. So you don't need to feel like you need to write down any sort of links, but kind of give us an overview of offerings that you have that you think would be helpful to our listeners. Sure. There are really just two things that I'd like to direct all your listeners to. Number one, go on our website, buildyourbook.org. Twice a week, we publish what's known as the Authentic Lawyer Newsletter, short, short, short emails that combines the best ideas in the world of psychology, law, business, entrepreneurship, uh, really the best ideas that will help you shine. These are short ideas that you can start implementing every day, you know, droplets, 
carve mountains. So it's all about creating that droplet of, of ideas to your way. Number two, if you are really interested in what we have to offer you, subscribe to our podcast, the Build Your Book podcast. And finally, if you'd like to work with us on a much more personal level, join one of our cohorts. The Authentic Business Builder Cohort is starting up again in January, where we're going to be working in a very small group of seven to eight different people at a time. It's for our senior associates or partners, where we help you really build your book of business in an authentic, grounded way. So three Great. different ways of interacting with us, but start off with the newsletter. I think that's the right way to get started. Well, those sound like some really exciting offerings. I want to thank Aaron and Deval, both of you for being here, giving us some great ideas. I'm sure I'll have you back on the show again. And again, thank you so much for your time being a guest on my show today. Our pleasure. It's been great being here. Likewise. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.